Hey everyone, and welcome to Theana Money, where we seek to help the good man leave an inheritance to his children's children. This is Jeremy, the host of Theana Money. This week I am reviewing some of the things President Biden said in his recent State of the Union address. He said a lot, and just the little bit I will cover in this episode will make it one of the longer ones I've released in a little bit, so... Let's not waste time with a big, long intro and just get into it. One thing I do want to say first is that if you like this podcast, please subscribe to it. Tell your friends about it. If you have a friend who likes Biden and was hanging on his every word during the State of the Union address, send a link to this to them. See what the person thinks. If you are that person listening to it because your friend sent you a link and you think I'm an idiot for the things I say in this episode, then reach out to me and maybe... An episode of Theana Money in the future will be you and I discussing these things. That sounds like fun. I was going to have a uh, roundtable debate episode of Theana Money on uh, biblical slavery. And that was going to be arranged by my friend Colin. It was going to be me, Colin, and this other guy. But the other guy who was really aggressive with Colin and saying Colin wasn't willing to debate him as soon as Colin said... Okay, yeah, me and my friend Jeremy would debate you and we're going to record it and put it on his podcast. All of a sudden, that guy backed down. Went from, oh, you're not willing to debate me to silence pretty quickly as soon as Colin was actually willing to debate him. Anyways, let's jump into it. So Biden said, two years ago, the economy was reeling. I stand here tonight after we've created, with the help of many people in this room, 12 million new jobs. More jobs created in two years than any president has ever created in four years. Because of you all. Because of the American people. Friends, the government does not make jobs. People make jobs as they start businesses. Some might have the means to start a business that has a dozen or even a hundred employees from the start. Or others have only themselves as an employee, they're just running a sole proprietorship and they can hire more people as the business grows. However it happens, the government does not make jobs. People do with the business ventures that they start. Every president makes claims about all the jobs made during his term. Biden isn't the only one who does it. Trump did it before him. Obama before him, and so on. But all a president can do is sign legislation sent to him from Congress that makes it easier and not more difficult for new businesses to launch and existing ones to grow. Or he can ask Congress to send him more legislation like that. Or he can sign executive orders that strike down previous executive orders that had negative impacts on the economy. Biden said, two years ago, COVID had shut down 
Our businesses were closed, our schools were robbed of so much. And today, COVID no longer controls our lives. That was because of the government response to COVID, not due to COVID itself. That's all I wanted to say here. On to the next point. Biden said, Two years ago, our democracy faced its greatest threat since the Civil War. And today, though bruised, our democracy remains unbowed and unbroken. Is Biden referring to January 6th here? If he is, I don't have anything to say to that other than watch that video that John Harris put out on his Conversations That Matter YouTube channel on the one year anniversary of that day. So the video he released around January 6th, 2022. It will give you all you need to know about January 6th, 2021. Okay, I have one more thing to say on this. The United States is a constitutional republic, not a democracy. Pure democracies are not good, and no one should desire to live in one. Biden said, You know, we're often told that Democrats and Republicans can't work together. But over the past two years, we proved the cynics and naysayers wrong. Yes, we've disagreed plenty. And yes, there were times when Democrats went alone. I don't like the Republican Party of today. And I don't like the Democrat Party of today even more. A lot more. And when it comes to compromising instead of sticking to what your party says, the Republicans do a lot of that. As much as I dislike the Democrat Party today, at least they usually do a pretty good job of actually trying to do the horrible things they told you they were going to do. So if Republicans and Democrats are working together, especially when Democrats have POTUS and the majority in either House of Congress, I do not like the sound of that. It kind of just sounds like a bunch of Republicans capitulating and going against what the party platform says on paper to do the horrible things that Democrats are out in the open saying they're doing and the probably even worse things they're not out in the open saying they're doing. Biden said, Well, folks, so let's look at the results. We're not finished yet by any stretch of the imagination, but unemployment rate is at 3.4%, a 50-year low, and near record and near record unemployment, near record unemployment for black and Hispanic workers. I'm sorry, sometimes just trying to read Biden's words as he actually said them is kind of hard. It's like, uh, so bad. Like, I'm not a good public speaker, but I'm, I'm not that bad, at least. Anyways, I don't trust unemployment statistics because if someone gave up on seeking a job, then he does not count toward the statistics. Even if we did trust them, didn't Trump match or surpass all of this in 2019? Biden said, We've already created, with your help, 800,000 good-paying manufacturing jobs, the fastest growth in 40 years. As I already said, the government does not make jobs. They just help or harm the economy and make it easier or more difficult for businesses to create more jobs. Biden said, but here at home, inflation is coming down. Here at home, gas prices are down $1.50 from their peak. 
Gas prices increased quite a bit after President Biden took office. And that is not because of the end of the lockdown and then the conflict between Russia and Ukraine. The lockdowns ended long before Biden took office, and the conflict started over a year after he took office. And gas prices had gone up much already by that time. Last year, I released an episode titled 56, Higher Gas Prices Are Worse Than You Think. And that one goes into all of this and even more detail. So I recommend you listen to it if you have not already. Or even if you have, just listen to it again because I released that episode, what, nine months ago, something like that. So you may have forgot some of the things I talked about. By the way, I re-listen to podcast episodes sometimes, especially if I think there's something really good in it. So, or if I'm, I think I listen to it, but I'm not sure and I'm a perfectionist. So I feel compelled to listen to it again just to make sure. So I'm not telling you to do something I'm not willing to do myself. Biden here wants us to think about how much he has lowered gas prices, but he has actually been the leading cause of gas price rises because of the impact he has had in the industry and limiting new oil drilling in the United States. Gas prices have dropped primarily because of three things. Biden pulled back some on the limitations on oil drilling that he has put forward in our country. We have lowered our strategic oil reserves to critically low rates in order to lower the cost by raising supply. And many people are trying to drive less because of how expensive gas is. And that reduces demand and thus price. The only one of those three that is really a good thing, which Biden could in some way brag about, is the one where he undid a little bit of the damage he himself did a year or two earlier, which was too late for all of the lost revenue and higher gas prices during that time, during that year or two in between. So I do not consider it a win that President Biden helped gas prices drop from historic highs he caused to be as low as it is now, quote-unquote, which I believe is still higher than gas ever was during all four years of Trump's presidency. I remember when I first moved to Indiana, I saw gas was around two fifty a gallon, and I was like, man, that's, that's so expensive. Right now, I would love to have gas at two fifty a gallon. It's like, it's well over three dollars a gallon right now. Between like, I don't know, three ten and three forty a gallon where I live right now, as I'm recording this. And uh, just six months ago, it was like five dollars a gallon where I live. So what I thought was so expensive under Trump, it got to be like double that under Biden. And he's bragging just because he somehow influenced the price to come down half of the increase that he himself caused. I especially think he should not be able to brag about that since the only thing he really did to influence that drop in prices was allow for draining of strategic reserves and undo some of his own damage. Biden said food inflation is coming down. Not fast enough, but coming down. When President Biden says that inflation is coming down, what he, or rather the ones who wrote this speech, probably want you to think is that prices are coming down. That is not what it means when Biden says that inflation is slowing down or coming down. He means that the rate at which prices are going up 
is slowing down. In other words, prices are still going up, just not quite as quickly as before. That is what a slowdown on inflation means. Whether he wants you to realize that is what it means, or he hopes people misunderstand him and think that means prices are going down, that's another story. Biden said inflation has fallen every six months for the last six months, while take-home pay has gone up. Once again, inflation falling does not mean that prices are going down, but that they are not going up quite as fast as they were before. I want to know what metrics he is using to say that inflation is falling. And I want you, the listeners, to know that even if inflation really is dropping a bit, it is dropping a bit from rates so high that we have not seen ones like them in our nation in decades to rates that we two years ago could have said we had not seen rates like this in decades. That's not really that great. I put a link in the description to a chart that will show that info for you if you're interested. I also want to know the metrics he is using to say that take-home pay has gone up. By take-home pay, I would understand that as the amount of money you get after taxes and adjusted for inflation. I would understand it more or less as your purchasing power. I'm not sure if President Biden is meaning it in the same way, or if he is meaning some other thing that is technically not lying, but is also misleading people into making them believe something that is not the truth, which is still being deceptive and, dare I say, bearing false witness. As much as it would be great to go th through, like, practically all the lines in this and respond to almost every one of them or at least half of them just really don't have the time for that so I'm going to start probably having larger sections in between the lines from the speech that I read and then respond to Biden said look we're making sure we're making sure that every community every community in America has access to affordable high-speed internet no parent should have to drive by a McDonald's parking lot to help their do their homework online with their kids, which many thousands were doing across the country. How is he doing this? Is the government going to pay for everyone's Wi-Fi or for those who qualify for government assistance? So instead of paying like 80 or 90 bucks a month for your own gig up gig down fiber optic wi-fi the government pays for it for you at the small price of two hundred dollars a month per person helped you know the initial cost of wi-fi plus the increases in cost because the providers now only have one buyer and thus competition is lowered the government sponsors everyone's wi-fi and don't forget that the government probably has an operations cost equal to if not greater than the cost of the service provided so the government now has to make up that two hundred dollars or more in taxes per person per person wants wi-fi given out each month and they have to do that by raising taxes or creating new money biden said with the inflation reduction act that i signed into law we're taking on powerful interests to bring healthcare costs down so you can sleep better at night with more security. 
the government, President Trump and Biden both, because both had major spending bills, not just President Biden, have done much to cause the inflation we are experiencing as a nation. The government is at least partially responsible for some of the deflationary pressures we are having as a nation, which are the reason why inflation is not worse. Before you say that is a good thing, both high inflation and deflation are bad for a nation. And so right now we have two really bad things somewhat balancing one another. But as soon as one of the two lifts or uh, reduces in strength, we could have major issues. By the government deciding they are just going to make some new laws and fix the inflation that their previous laws have led to, the government is playing, it's playing God. They are the lords of the economy, or so they believe. And when they sign some legislation that harms the citizenry, they want you to forget about it and sign some new legislation that undoes all the bad stuff going on right now. Bad stuff they want you to blame other people for no matter how responsible for it they are. God is the Lord of the economy, and when we base an economy on scripture, it is a very free one. That is why while libertarians might get many things wrong on politics, they are often not too far off from theonomous when it comes to the economy. But when the government believes that it is the Lord of the economy, it is much more involved and much more stringent than God is, as we will see with some of the points that will be discussed soon. I do find it funny that people complain that God's law is too strict and hard, and then they happily submit to men's laws that are a hundred times more strict than God's holy law. Biden said, one in ten Americans has diabetes. Many of you in this chamber do, and in the audience. But every day, millions need insulin to control their diabetes so they can literally stay alive. In insulin has been around for over 100 years. The guy who invented it didn't patent it because he wanted it to be available for everyone. It cost the drug companies roughly $10 a vial to make that insulin. Package it and all, and you may get up to $13. But Big Pharma has been unfairly charging people hundreds of dollars, four to five hundred dollars a month, making rec record profits. Not anymore. Not anymore. By the way, the um, rec records was me reading it exactly as it appeared in the speech, not myself messing up. Though I do that too. Government involvement in healthcare is what allows for things like quote unquote Big Pharma high prescription costs, and expensive medicine. If President Biden means by what he said here that many of the laws which lead to higher-priced health care will be slashed, then I'm all for it. But based on his history in politics, I highly doubt that and expect that he wants Congress to add new laws in order to combat the higher prices the government is in part responsible for to begin with. Slashing laws and regulations does much more to lower prices and help an economy than adding new ones does. While he was campaigning, Trump said he wanted to slash two laws for every one he signed into law. He didn't do that. From what I heard, I think this came from Matt Williams when he still did his How to Build a Tent podcast, Trump slashed somewhere around 16 
for everyone he signed. That is probably a large part of why we saw so much more economic success under Trump before the lockdown than we have seen since Biden took office. Continuing on that thread, Biden said, Let's finish the job this time. Let's cap the cost of insulin for everybody at $35. Folks, and Big Pharma is still going to do very well. I promise you all. I promise you they're going to do very well. When the government makes price ceilings, it often leads to black markets and or lower quality. Apartments are commonly used as an example of this. If apartments in a populous area get expensive, in the name of helping poor people, the local government caps apartment prices below their market level, then the owners of those properties have to make money off of them somehow before you say they are just mean rich people trying to take from the poor. They are people who need to make money to feed their families just like their tenants. Some of them might be people who do not have much extra money. They just have this one apartment building, maybe two, maybe small ones with only a handful of apartments in it, not these giant ones with dozens or whatever apartments. And these are people just trying to make enough money on the side to make ends meet or a bit of extra money to send their kids to private Christian school because that is what my parents did with one property they owned in Detroit when I was growing up. When price ceilings are set below their equilibrium, and that is the price where the free market would set it based on supply and demand, when price ceilings are below that equilibrium level, owners of apartments will seek to lower costs so they can actually make some money off of their property instead of break even or even lose money. A lot of that goes into repairs. Say your apartment has a gas fireplace and there is an issue with it that would cost several thousand dollars to fix. With the price ceiling in place, the owner knows that having a gas fireplace in his apartment would not allow him to charge any more for it. So he just gets the gas line capped off to save a couple thousand dollars and you have a pretty but useless decoration in your living room now. Other things that would normally be replaced after they get so worn down are just cleaned up a bit between tenants and the apartment goes up for lease again to cut corners. Instead of replacing old raggedy carpet, the owner just spends a few hours in the apartment with his carpet shampooer and calls it good, where he would have replaced it had there not been a price ceiling. In the long run, price ceilings often harm the people they are supposed to help. With this drug price ceiling, I think had the government not gotten involved in healthcare, we might have not had to worry about any governmental price ceiling because the free market could have gotten prices these low very long ago. In fact, it may have never had to get prices, quote-unquote, this low because they would have never gotten so high to begin with. Also, last year I did one or two episodes with my friend Rocky Ramsey about health care. One about a government-run health care slash government-ruined health care. had the I in parentheses. I thought it was pretty creative. I felt like it was a creative Doug Wilson type title. 
And then the one after that with him again called Healthcare's Proper Place, if you want to go check those out. As for how Biden promised us that Big Pharma is doing very well, I'm sure they are with all the money a few of them have made the last few years with the jabs they sold and their immunity from legal repercussions, no matter how many soccer players drop dead in the middle of a game. Biden said, And we pay for these investments in our future by finally making the wealthiest and biggest corporations begin to pay their fair share. Just begin. Look, I'm a capitalist. I'm a capitalist. But pay your fair share. First, wealthy people are able to do legal tax avoidance, not illegal tax evasion, because of laws that politicians like Biden helped get into place so many years ago, others more recent, newer ones. Second, even with legal tax avoidance, the rich still pay a much higher percentage of the total taxes received by the government each year than the poor do. Much higher. What is the fair share of the rich when 90% of their income each year is taken in taxes? And that includes unrealized capital gains, and so it really could be 100% or more of their income that year taken in taxes. Third, a progressive tax system, one which the United States has right now, where your tax rate increases the more money you make, is socialistic. No one should call themselves a capitalist and promote such an idea. Though I bet most in Congress who call themselves capitalists would promote our current progressive tax system, Republican and Democrat alike. Fourth, a progressive tax system is unbiblical. A progressive tax system is unbiblical. I will stand by that statement. Exodus 30.15 in which we see the head tax, which is what I believe that modern taxation should be based on, and in some places will be based on in the future because I think there will be a theonomic nations in the post-millennial future of the world. Exodus 30.15 reads in the Legacy Standard Bible, The rich shall not pay more, and the poor shall not pay less than the half shekel when you give the contribution to Yahweh to make atonement for your souls. So forget an equal tax rate for rich and poor alike. Scripture gives us an example and the only moral civil tax I see evidence for in the entire Bible. Correct me if you believe otherwise, if you think I'm wrong there. That it should be an equal tax amount. Not an equal tax rate. An equal tax amount. The rich shall not pay more and the poor shall not pay less. So it is not a tax rate of 5%. So you pay $5,000 if you made 100k last year and only $500 if you made 10k. It is an equal tax amount. So you pay the same amount whether you made 10,000, 100,000 or 100 million dollars. If you want some more on that, look at the episode I dropped a few months ago called Biblical Taxation. Biden said, look, the idea that in 2020, 55 of the largest corporations in America, the Fortune 500, made $40 billion in profits and paid zero in federal taxes. 
Zero. Folks, it's simply not fair. Making comments about the way toddlers talk about fairness aside. Not going to do that. Once again, legal tax avoidance that politicians signed into law allows for things like this. Politicians like to get these things signed into law for their own tax breaks or for the payments that come from lawyers because lawyers then get paid by businesses to help them find the loopholes that allow for legal tax avoidance. Don't promote something when the public is not paying attention and then condemn it when they are. Also, these businesses still have sales tax and property tax and their share of their employees' taxes and all kinds of other taxes and fees. A giant corporation, even if it paid nothing toward both state and federal taxes in a given year, still paid much more in taxes than you or I in a given year, my listener friend, and possibly more than we will in our whole lives. Biden said, but now, because of the law I signed, billion-dollar companies have to pay a minimum of 15%. 15%. That's less than a nurse pays. I hesitated there because I decided not to read the next thing Biden said because I think it probably constituted taking the Lord's name in vain. That's a great way to make a lot of them move their headquarters to other nations and then the government makes even less in tax revenue than they currently do from those businesses. Sure, 15% is less by percentage than what the average nurse in America makes, but the sales tax these billion-dollar businesses pay each year is probably more than that nurse will, make, will pay in taxes in her entire life. Biden said, let me be crystal clear. I said at the very beginning, under my plans, as long as I'm president, nobody earning less than 40000 sorry, 400000 will pay an additional penny in taxes. Nobody. Not one penny. Did Biden just say, read my lips, no new taxes? Because that is all I could hear when George H.W. Biden just said that. Biden said, Nearly 25% of the entire national debt that took over 200 years to accumulate was added by just one administration alone, the last one. Yes, Trump's stimuli were bad. He should not have done them. Biden is also saying Trump is bad for something that both of them did, which is the definition of hypocrisy. Biden said, well, I will not raise taxes on anyone making under 400 grand, but will pay for it the way we talked about tonight, by making sure that the wealthy and big corporations pay their fair share. That pause there at the end for emphasis was something I added. One, I don't believe him on the first part, as I already said. Two, companies don't pay taxes. You heard that right. Companies don't pay taxes. Their customers do. When you buy something from a store, they factor in not only the cost to produce and sell that good to you, but also include the taxes associated with selling it into that cost. If their taxes go up, their costs go up. And if their costs go up, 
so do their prices. Let me repeat that. If their taxes go up, their costs go up. And if their costs go up, so do their prices. So even if he kept his word about the first part, he would just pay for the big business higher taxes with the increased cost of goods you buy at the store. And about the whole junk fees thing that he mentioned. President Biden is acting like he owns these companies and he is really their boss, not their actual CEO and upper management. Maybe if these industries were not so heavily regulated by the government, some of these fees would go away on their own by the free market as companies try to get an edge over one another by dropping these fees, forcing everyone to do so in order to stay competitive with one another. Biden complained about hotel resort fees, canceling internet or cable plan fees, and picking your seats on an airplane fees. All stopping resort fees will do is make those resort fees be part of the actual cost per night of the resort hotel room. I'm not opposed to that, but I would want it to have been done by the free market and business owners feeling this is more ethical than trying to make your hotel look cheaper than it really is with fees instead of it all being part of the cost of the room. And I would not want it done by a president on a power trip thinking he owns the country and can tell all the businesses how to run their business. If I have a couple of cable boxes and cancel cable or a Wi-Fi router and cancel my Wi-Fi plan, I can understand a fee as high as $200 for someone to come out and take away the equipment and pull out any wires that need to be pulled. Try to get an electrician to come out to your house and just change an outlet to see how its price compares. Getting someone to come to your house to do work isn't cheap. And I chose replacing an outlet, which I know is easy enough, and many of my listeners could do that and possibly even already have. I just wanted to pick something simple and easy for reason of comparison with taking out a couple of cable boxes and the associated wiring. And for sitting where you want on a plane, the airline company has to make that plane fill up if they sell every ticket. And that means they can't have some seats with no occupant and other seats with multiple occupants. I'm okay with the concept of paying a bit more to pick your seat. And if you don't, you had better do pre-registration as early as possible to try to grab a decent seat that is left. Biden also condemned non-compete agreements. I think they make sense. If I'm a company owner and I'm going to spend the time and money to train this guy, I don't want him to turn around and leave my company and take all our trade secrets and go work for a competitor or start his own business as a competitor to us, either while working for me or for a year or two after he quits or is fired. If you don't like non-compete agreements, then don't work for companies that make you sign them. Biden mentioned unions as well. Listen, I'm from Detroit possibly the union capital of the United States. And as far as unions go, I am not a fan. What does it tell you if someone from such a heavily unionized part of the country is not a fan of them?
Biden also wants to fix the education system by throwing more money at it and having your kids spend even more time in it. Government schools don't do a good job, and lack of funding is not the primary cause. If it's even a cause at all, it is far down on that list. The government education system in America has issues that are deeper than just throwing more money at it and trying to do more of the same thing we were doing before. I have an idea that will make America's education system a lot better and drastically reduce the prices at the same time. Fire everyone currently working for the Department of Education and let the folks over at Classical Conversations choose who should get hired to replace them. Then have all of our government schools go through the Classical Conversations K-12 curriculum instead of what they currently teach. CC costs a fraction of what is spent on the average kid per year in government school. Notice I keep saying government school, not public school. So it would save the government millions, if not billions of dollars per year, while simultaneously giving our kids a better education. Partially because of the classical trivia model that CC does, and also because it would be an explicitly Christian education, which I am going to straight up say is a better education because God made the world and you're learning how God works by like studying how God works in the world and how he's at the back of everything. Now I'm going kind of long here for the typical length of the episodes of Theana Money. So I want to make one last comment and be done. Biden also mentioned having stricter legislation on firearms. I just want to point out that the majority of gun violence in the United States is gang-related and done with handguns, not rifles. Banning more powerful firearms just makes it more difficult for honest people to defend themselves when the dude who got his gun illegally breaks, breaks in. Listen, I have a friend who is a now-retired Detroit police officer. He was one of the guys that taught me how to fight. I know the crazy stories he told me and how almost every one that involved a gun probably involved a gun that was not legally in the possession of the person holding it. When thugs are getting guns illegally already, what will stricter gun laws do? Make them all of a sudden become law-abiding citizens? If the Mosaic law cannot change someone's heart without the gospel, how much less American laws? If the Mosaic law cannot change someone's heart except through the gospel, what hope do American laws have to change people's hearts? That was this week's episode of Theana Money. As we go, I want to remind everyone that the law of the Lord is perfect, sure, right, pure, clean, and true. So go apply that law in light of the gospel of Christ's atoning death and resurrection to every area of life. Grace and peace, friends.